Hello and welcome back to the Grace and the Adventure of Leadership podcast. That's a podcast designed to help cultivate leadership, which is fueled and formed by the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. My name is Riley Spring. I'm here with Dave Taylor. We're two pastors in Sydney, Australia, trying to serve our local churches for the glory of God. Last week, we looked at this idea of humility and how humility is so important to the character of a leader. And we've been talking about seven characteristics of a leader, seven characteristics that flow from the realities of the gospel that ought to form someone who believes in Jesus Christ, follows Jesus Christ, and especially if someone who seeks to help others follow Jesus Christ as a leader within the church. Last week, as I said, we looked at humility. This week, we're going to look at the topic of godliness, or you could say holiness. Uh, Robert Murray McShane, a Scottish pastor, a hundred or so years ago, said this about um, the leader. He said, The greatest need of my people is my personal holiness. The greatest need of my people is my personal holiness. Confronting. It is confronting Mm. and might sound strange, uh, depending Mm. on your leadership background. You know, you could almost think the greatest need of my people is my preaching ability. The greatest need of my people is my organizational skills. The greatest need of my people is how I perform on a Sunday. But for Mr. Machine, uh, the greatest need was personal holiness. Uh, Why is that? Why is that so important? Uh, That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, And so, Dave, when you hear that line, what do you think of? Like, what comes to mind? Um, the greatest need of my people is my personal holiness. Yeah, I just, it, it, you know, it's funny because even as you say it, you're just like, man, it's so confronting. Because uh, I think that's possibly the possibly the hardest thing to give people mm. in the sense of it's, it's easy to, um, or it can be easy to rely on gift for numerous things. Whereas that pursuit of holiness for anybody who is genuinely pursuing humility and generally honest with themselves as they look in the mirror they are aware they've got a long way to go yes. in being like Jesus. And so I'm, I'm provoked by that personally. I'm also challenged by that in the sense of I believe he's right. And mm. I think the pursuit of holiness is something I would say in the last in the, in the last generation, the last 15 to 20 years, has, has been something that's been denigrated again and again and again mm. as like an optional extra for Christianity at large, alone leadership. Or even in, it gets in the way. You know, if you want to be relevant, you want to engage with the culture, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you want to reach out and be missional, yeah. which, you know, those you want to look like a Puritan. So we want to do, mm-hmm. but holiness can seem like it gets in the way right? because it makes you weird. It makes you, well, holy. Yeah. <laughs> and especially in Australia, we don't like anyone that's holier than thou, that stands out, that looks yeah. like they're a better person than someone else. Um, we want to cut those type of people down. And so, you know, it it's not something we're going to rush to, to promote as for our churches or even rush to, to, you know, do for ourselves because it it is confronting between us and the Lord. And it puts us in a weird position as leaders within our local churches. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, when you think about even the way social media works, Facebook or Twitter or uh, whatever the forum is, we we show people the side. We show people the side. We are PR experts. We show people what we want to show them. And that's why the pursuit of godliness in part is, can be so confronting because you have to own up to who you really are mm. and seek to grow, become more like Christ. And yet it's such an important thing, obviously. 
Yeah, and um, you know, I think there's a great quote in Kevin DeYoung's book on holiness that yes. kind of outlines, you know, uh, some of the, the feeling we have toward holiness. Why don't Why don't you read it out? Yeah, I, I read this. I read this well a couple of years ago now. I mean, when I was younger, I read a book by A. W. Tozer called The Pursuit of Holiness, mm. which is also an ex- outstanding book. And written on a similar similar type topic of vein, Kevin E. Young wrote his book, The Hole in Our Holiness. And this is what he said. It so stands out. He says, the hole in our holiness is that we don't really care much about it. Hmm. Passionate exhortation to pursue gospel-driven holiness is barely heard in most of our churches. It's not that we don't talk about sin or encourage decent behavior, but too many sermons are basically self-help seminars on becoming a better you. And that's moralism. And it's not helpful. The gospel which says only what you must do and never announces what Christ has done is no gospel at all. Amen. So I'm not talking here about getting beat up every Sunday for watching Sports Center and driving an SUV. I'm talking about the failure of Christians, especially younger generations, and especially those most disdainful of religion and legalism, to take seriously one of the great aims of our redemption and one of the required evidences of eternal life, namely our holiness and then he goes on to say for there is a gap between our love for the gospel and our love for godliness Mm. so well said yeah and i think that that last point there so like for some of us on the first point you know holiness is like vegetables take it or leave it yeah don't really want it yeah but there is this this link between the realities of the gospel and our holiness that is that we had to be saved because we're sinful and God hates sin, yes. which is why he had to crush his son and pour out his wrath upon Jesus because he actually hates our sin. He doesn't permit it. Uh, it, it can't stand yeah. in his presence. That's what we're saved from. And sometimes we go, well, let's just preach that. like, And we just keep going back yeah. to that. That's what we're saved from. That's what we're saved from. The wrath of God. God hates sin. But he saves us to something. He calls yes. us. The reason why he saved us is to liberate us from sin and to bring us to be holy and righteous. Yes. The Apostle Peter um, says it like this in his letter. He says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 to 15, Therefore, preparing your minds for action, and the therefore, if you go back and read it, is all about the gospel. He, in verses 3 through 12, he's talking about how we're saved by grace, by the power of God. It's amazing. Therefore, because you're saved, prepare your minds for action, being sober-minded, Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And now in the present, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Mm-hmm. And so for the... For the Christian, and indeed, what higher standard for yeah. you and I as church leaders that we are called to be holy. Yeah. And we often have an acceptable level. I think Jerry Bridges calls it like cultural holiness. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. like in each one of our churches, there's an accepted standard of sacrifice and devotion and purity and what jokes you laugh at, TV yep. shows you watch. Yep. But that's not the standard. The right. standard given here is the very holiness of God. Um, I was preaching on this topic to my church a while back and I was talking about like when I signed up to the gym, you kind of have to, you know, describe your goals for why you're joining the gym. And I just put in like, I wanted to be less fat. <laughs> you know, like, I didn't like the little chub 
on my tummy. You didn't like the one pack? Um, I didn't like the one the pack. Power pack. The six packs in the fridge. The one pack <laughs> yeah, comes right. with me wherever it's I go. Underneath that. Yeah. It's underneath the one pack. And my, my goal was low bar. Like I just yeah. not even like washboard abs, just less fat. Yeah. Um, but r- rather than saying like my goal is I want to look like Chris Hemsworth because that's just out of my league. That's never going to happen. I don't want to yeah. work that hard. I don't want to look like Chris Hemsworth because I don't want to do what he does to look like he does. But sometimes I think that's how that's how we treat holiness in the Christian life. Yes. Sometimes our goal is merely to be less sinful or to be less sinful than the people in our church so that as a church leader we don't feel constantly bad yeah. or a hypocrite. Or at least get just to the middle of the pack. Yeah, me- I don't know if you're amazing, just I'm better than them. No. I do better than them. That's really good, Riley. Versus actually pursuing and setting our standard, the very holiness of God, which is indeed what we're called to in the scriptures. And that's who we're called to be as leaders. Yeah. Which which then in turn takes a ton of effort, right? Yes. You know, as, as Christians and as pastors, it takes a ton of grace-motivated effort to pursue holiness. I mean, it's a big deal. I think sometimes as pastors, we can fall off the horse in two different ways. I think one way is the danger of legalism. And so we teach people that, that our works make a difference in what we receive from God, as if our works are dependent on whether he likes us or not, whether he's going to show us favor or not, whether he's going to show us any grace or not. That is legalism. It is smuggling in our works yes. to something that is all of grace, namely our salvation. And that kind of looks like people come... You know, they can raise their hands at church on Sunday because they prayed and, and read the Bible every day this week. Yep. But if they yelled at their kids before coming to church, well, I, I just exactly. have, to, I have to be in sackcloth. Good and day, bad day scenario. So, yeah. so I've had a good week of becoming more like Jesus, front row, arms in the air. Bad week of becoming more like Jesus, sitting at the back, you know, feeling that the Lord's probably not impressed with me. And even um, as a pastor, you can do that. Oh, totally. I Absolutely. can preach this sermon with yep. conviction because I was holy this week. Oh, I'm going to be yeah. a bit timid this week because I'm feeling a bit yes. convicted about my own yes. sinfulness. It's, 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 we're so crazy. So I think one one part of the horse is the uh, one side of the horse is the danger of legalism. Yeah. The other side is the danger of antinomianism, though, and I think this generation is definitely susceptible to that. Explain that term. Antinomianism basically means that we believe we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Full stop. Therefore, it does not make any difference the way I live at all. There's no law. It just, yeah, there's yeah. no law, no need for God's law. Um, it just has nothing to do with us. So we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone. End of. It just doesn't matter mm. at all the, the, way you, the way you live. And so then it becomes an optional extra. It does become something that, oh, you want a piece of your holy? Oh, I'm so pleased for you. That's not lovely. You know, it's a bit of a phase. You'll probably go through it. <laughs> yeah. but no big deal. Whereas when you actually study the Bible, tell you James... You realize we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, period. It's so true. Mm. But where that faith is real, it should never be alone. It should look like something. There should be a desire in our heart that now wants to live for Jesus. And as we do that, guess what he tells us? Be holy as I am holy. there's There's a change in our lives that wants to change everything. I mean, James says it well. In James 2, he says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works. Can the faith save him? For faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Mm. So legalism basically says, no, it's our works that saves us. And we want to stand against that. We are saved by grace alone. 
But antinomianism says we're saved by grace alone, so it doesn't matter what we do. That's wrong as well. We are saved by grace alone, but we want to be so amazed by that that we now live our lives offering them as, as living sacrifices to the Lord, worship to the Lord, which means a pursuit of holiness. And I think we do that for biblically defined many different reasons. I mean, what, one of the reasons it is a marker of true salvation, it's yeah. a marker of who we love. Yeah, the, we want to be like him. Yeah. Um, the second marker would be that it's a way that we ensure that we not grieve or bring sorrow to the Lord. Mm. You know, we can still grieve the Lord in the way we behave. Yeah. And um, we don't want to do that. Thirdly, it's a way that our witness becomes more effective in the world. So one of the markers of the Christian faith, I think, or the church, one of the things that marks you out as a city on a hill is that we're different. The ecclesia, they're different. They live differently. Their values are mm. different. What they do with their money and their time and their passion, what they talk about, it's just really different. And so people should interact with Christians and not come away thinking, man, they're just holier than they are. They're all self-righteous. No, but they should interact with us in a way that they go, you are different. You talk different. You value different. And it should be attractive. Yeah, yeah. Holiness is actually an opportunity for mission yes, rather than yep. anti-mission. Yeah. It's just that the problem is, is that if you are holy in your missional encounters, people won't like you as well. Like it, it breeds both. Some people are drawn yeah. to the light. Some people are repelled Which must by mean it. when you think about it, we must be doing something slightly wrong in that evangelistically because Jesus was holy mm. and yet unbelievers wanted to be with him all the time. Yeah. So like, you know, it, it, he must have been living in such a way that even though it would be confronting for people, it was still attractive. Yeah. There was something about him. Like, I want to be with, with him. And I think that's, what we're called to as Christians. So if we're, you know, this podcast is called Grace and the Adventure of Leadership. Mm. We're talking to church leaders, present, future. We're seeking to follow the Lord and, and serve his beautiful bride, the church, and help them grow. What, what what should be the reaction of a leader? People are looking to him. How, how does grace and leadership come together in the pursuit of holiness? Hmm. I think grace should motivate us for right. holiness. You know, I think one of the things I heard many years ago and was the whole premise of grace motivated change. And it yeah. became a phrase and you're like, what is that? What is that? It just sounds nice, but what does it mean? And I think it's, it's understanding as leaders for ourselves and teaching others the same, that we want to be motivated to change. We want to be more like Jesus for the yeah. sake of the gospel for the sake of not grieving him, for the sake of offering our lives as living sacrifices. We want to be motivated to change, to be more like him. But we want to do that in a way that is grace-motivated, understanding that even when I fail, I'm forgiven of that failure, mm. that even when I'm not doing great in my change, even when my change is taking so long. I mean, if you haven't noticed how long change yeah. it's, it's It's depressing. Um, but even when that's the case... The Lord in his mercy, as we look to him for forgiveness, is still singing over us, mm. still accepts us. We're accepted through the blood of Jesus Christ alone. And so I think it then becomes grace motivated. I'm motivated to change because I love him and I want to worship him. But I'm not beating myself up with sackcloth and ashes if I don't fully make it each and every day of my life. Because I understand it's not my parenting or my, not my leadership or not my change that makes me acceptable before God. It's Jesus that makes me yes. acceptable before the Lord. And so I think I think the pursuit of holiness becomes both delightful and active when we understand its mm. grace and the adventure of change. And it remains humble when we realize any success we have in holiness, any look away of lust that we 
you know, denied mm-hmm. and any positive action we did, it was all from him. Like yeah. <laughs> we couldn't have done it unless yeah. we were born again, unless we had the Holy Spirit living in us, unless we yes. were raised with Christ into the newness of life, like Paul talks about in Romans 6, unless he first acts, yeah. we can't do the holy acts in a way that please him anyway. It's always him. So grace yeah. motivates and, and grace is, you know, the, the reason why we actually do any of these things. So it keeps us humble too, rather than being like, I did it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm holy, and and then it affects our preaching, right? right? Rather than being like, guys, just catch up, catch up to what I'm doing. This is how you do it. Ten steps, and yes. look at how I've done this. It's like it's the Lord. Let's go back to Him. Let's let's pursue Him to help us grow in holiness, and then all praise goes back to Him for the yes, acts of holiness that we've done. Amen. I think it's one of the things I've always appreciated about Jerry Bridges in his writings. Mm. He, he often talks about this This is a pilgrim helping a fellow pilgrim. And I think that's right. He, mm. he, he And he often refers to how he's not at the top of a mountain calling you to come up. He's just a fellow pilgrim, maybe one step ahead. Of, this is the next step. This is. I, I just love that attitude. And I think that is pastoral ministry. Um, so, well, one of, the, one of the quotes that I wanted to share... It goes off the back of what you said. You know, I think there can be that temptation to, when we hear we've got to be holy as God is holy, feel like we're dead in the water. It's like, I'm never, ever going to do it. And the truth is, by yourself, you never will. Yeah. It, it is, it's not just hard. It is impossible. It is utterly impossible to do this by ourselves. Mm. But John Owen says it this way. He says, the duties that God requires of us, are simply not in proportion to the strength that we possess in ourselves. Mm. I mean, what a happy discovery that is. We, we can't do it, but through him, we can do it. Yes. Yet not I, but through Christ in me, we can change. You know, grace-motivated change exists. You can put things to death and be renewed in your mind and see growth in certain areas at certain times. It, it is a happy place. Mm. And you're exactly right, Roddy. We should be able to look back then and go, that was all the Lord. Yes. Because we're, we're by ourselves. We stink. <laughs> but look at what the Lord is doing. And I think, again, that's another thing I've learned over years. Of that's, that's what an evidence of grace is. Yes, It's an evidence that God is at work in your life. Look how you've grown. Look at what he's done. The Holy Spirit is changing you from one degree of glory to another. He's at work. Be encouraged. God is with you. and It gives all the glory to the Lord. But I think grace-motivated effort is still effort. Grace doesn't mean <laughs> don't bother. You know, grace motivate. Grace isn't opposed to effort. Mm. It's just understanding who sits at the bottom of it all and drives it all. It's the Lord. But we have to lean in as well. And as a, you know, a consequence of that, not only do we have to do it, but we have to call people to it. Yep. You know, to be a faithful yep. pastor, mm-hmm. if you if you follow the Pastor Paul, Pastor Peter, you follow Pastor Jesus, he calls people to this incredibly high standard. They never shrink the standard back. They never walk it back. And so we pursue holiness yes. because we love the Lord to honor him. We pursue it so that we have integrity in our ministry. And then we pursue it so that we can liberate our friends who we dearly love so that they can be holy too. Not so that they can feel good about themselves, but so they can align themselves with the very character and nature of God. And yeah. so we have a duty as as ministers and those who are heralds of the gospel to tell people how they ought to live um, because it's yeah. it's how you love them. It's not loving to lower the standard because they will, you know, they miss out on being like God and God's the best person in the universe. And so yeah. we have this duty to be holy, to preach holiness 
but it's all under the umbrella of grace. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And when you think about it in, in, in a wider sense as well, sin, sinfulness, one of the fruits of sinfulness, so lack of godliness, um, is it robs you of joy. Yes. So when you think, I remember when, when, when you and I, Riley, were preaching through the Ten Commandments mm. and just understanding that the Ten Commandments are God's gracious pathway for life. They're not there to rob you of joy. They're there to bring you yes. joy. This is He was trying to help his people who had already saved, actually. He'd already pulled and brought forth. But now he's helping them understand this is how it's going to go well for mm. you. And godliness, I think, can sometimes get this reputation of, if you pursue that route, <laughs> you're ruining your life. It's, be one it's all sad, over. One sad uh, and sorry for itself place. Rather than saying, no, no, that's where the joy is going to yeah. be. That is when you pursue holiness and when you walk in righteousness before the Lord, there is going to be joy at his right hand and pleasures forevermore. You want it. But I think our culture and our sinful self actually plays a real part in, in deceiving us into thinking you are going to be one sad man mm. if you become holy rather than know that's where the joy's at. Yes. Um, yeah, because in his presence is fullness of joy amen. and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Yep. And the only way we can be in his presence is if we're holy through Christ and through grace-motivated effort. Well, man. friends, I hope it bless you. Hope it encourages you. And let me leave you with a verse in Isaiah. Um, the vision of the, the future of the church is that, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Small steps. Oak trees aren't born overnight. They take many generations. Our holiness will take a long, long time to grow and develop and produce um, and, and to become that fully-fledged oak. And so we ought not to despair in the way in the self-assessment, but look towards that future that one day, and truly in Christ, we will be oaks of righteousness. But again, it's all for the glory of God and not for ourselves. Thanks for joining us on the Grace and the Adventure of Leadership podcast. We'll be back next time with another episode to help us look at what are the characteristics of a gospel-centered leader. See you next time. Hello and welcome back to Grace and the... Le it Hello and... No, no that sounded depressed. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Well, hello and welcome back to Grace and the Adventure of Leadership, a leadership podcast that's designed to help leaders cultivate. That's not what it is. What is the actual line? What, what is it? What are we doing? What are we saying? What the heck are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing here? I know, you said it just so well. Designed to cultivate leadership, which is fueled and formed by the glorious gospel. Oh, yeah. That's, that's better. Yeah, that's yeah, better. That's okay. Good, yeah. okay. Okay. Let's go there.